you, Gavin. We are in studio today here at Texas Christian Talk, the bridge, broadcasting out of Austin, Texas. And I am so excited today about the programming that we have. We're going to be talking about praying and building bridges of love and leadership uh, and doing that, especially during this particular time with first responders. And um, in so doing, we know that this is a really important time in the state of Texas and across our nation and worldwide because we know there are many of you that are listening on, on the web today and that we want to talk about the thrill of hope. We are not living in a ditch that we cannot get out in America, and we are operating on the thrill of hope. And our guest today, it's um, really going to be exciting for me because they're longtime friends, good friends. Um, Dave, uh, David Smith, I'm sorry, I have a little stuttering here. David Smith who, as the Austin pastor and uh, pastor's pastor. And uh, uh, Rick Randall, who is with staff, he's on the staff with Planet Shakers. And we are so excited about that. And both of them are chaplains for the Austin Police Department. And um, Pastor Rick is the uh, major director, I guess, of it. But welcome, guys. I am so thrilled to have you here because I am a little old lady and I have a lot of questions. Well, it's good to be here, Evelyn. We've known you a long time. Really uh, appreciate your ministry, not just in the city, but in the state. And particularly the fact that you've kept prayer as such an important emphasis, um, nothing good, nothing e- of eternal value is going to happen apart from prayer. So thank you for your lifetime of service oh, thank to, you, to that kingdom principle. Well, Pastor Rick, you, uh, you've been in the shadows for me for a long, long time. Uh, I remember so specifically the first time I met you, you uh, had some kind of a musical thing. You played the piano and led us in praise in an auditorium downtown. It was a guitar. I played the guitar. <laughs> guitar. If I played the piano, that was, that was a miracle. So. Okay, it was a guitar. Uh, see, my memory is a little small. No, it's all good. Uh, you know, when I look back, we've been in Austin 47 years. I've done radio in Austin 32 years. National Day of Prayer, working with the governor and the, le- and the legislators to call people to pray for them. Um, so I'm, I'm a little bit older <laughs> and more seasoned than I was when I came. And it's been a wonderful journey. And, David, you have been my friend so long, I can't even remember when I met you. Oh, you are a dear, sweet lady. And Rick said it so very well. If Evelyn calls you and asks you, you got an hour to go on the radio, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> you make an hour. You make an, you hour. make an hour. That's it. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love that. Well, you know what? I'm not sure how much longer we'll be able to do this, but we're under the call of the Lord Jesus in this nation to make a difference in the time in which we live. We have a new book coming out. It's called Praising okay. and Praying Across America. And we've got, we worked with, as you did, David, with the Franklin Graham team to do mm-hmm. the Decision America tour. And some of their are, some of their staff are writing. And Graham Lotz, who is, who is now the new, uh, NDP uh, chairman for National Day of Prayer. Okay. And Anne is Franklin's sister and Billy Graham's daughter. And she has a chapter in the book. So we're really excited about the opportunity we have to put out across this nation a call to prayer. And it's exciting to know that people are responding. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate so much you all being here today. I want to talk a little bit about how you got here. How did you get here, Rick? Well, I've been here 22 years. I came to Austin. Uh, I was in San Antonio in ministry for 19 years prior to coming here. 
Uh, I'm a native Texan, born in San Antonio, but my father was in the military, so I've lived all over the world. Uh, but I came to Austin specifically to plan a congregation in 1994. And, and I was I, f- I fell in love with Austin when I was the chairman of the advisory committee for HIV education really? and risk reduction for the Texas Department of Health. And on one of my journeys up here to for for one of our uh, committee meetings. Um, as I was driving up I-35, as I, I saw the houses on the side of the road, and this is, I'm not, oh, I, I want people to know I'm not weird, not too weird anyway, <laughs> but I saw the houses, but the, it was like the walls had melted away, and I saw the people inside mm-hmm. the houses, and I saw different, I saw, I saw families arguing i saw children crying i saw i saw wounds and hurts and i knew what was happening in that minute was god was giving me a heart for austin texas so when the time came to plant a church there wasn't there was only one choice in my mind and that was austin and so 22 years ago we came and planted a church and as of uh june or july the 31st 2016 our church rolled into Planet Shakers. So now we're part of this Australian church plant, and I am officially on the church staff as missionary to the city of Austin, which is where my heart mm-hmm. was 22 years ago and where it absolutely is right now. You know, the Lord just grows you up, doesn't he? He does. He may, He opens doors. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I've been guilty of anything over the last 22 years, it's focusing way more on ministry outside the walls of my church mm-hmm. than inside the walls of my church. So when this opportunity came, I knew what God was saying was the rest of your life, yes. this is what you're going to give yourself to. So Austin is my parish and uh, particularly working with first responders and with the government. Well, I understand that. I um, I remember so vividly the day the Lord called me, get out of the church, get away from the stained glass windows, and establish a marketplace evangelism program. We did that with D. James Kennedy. Uh, and that was 40, um, about 43 years ago, I guess That's now. Great. And so I didn't know how to do that. I'd always served on church committees and ran, you know, women's ministries and did things. Taught English, you know, to internationals. But he began to show me in a very vivid way in my husband's van that we needed to get out of the stained glass, get out of the pews and get mm-hmm. out in the highways. Get the bodies. salt out of the shaker. There you go. Yeah. There yeah. You go. Well, there you, I'm glad you mentioned that. We In the new book, we have uh, a chapter by Dr. Steve Washburn, uh, and it is called Salt. We've got to be salt. Absolutely. Absolutely. I tell him salt, you know, there were reasons for salt. It preserves it purifies. It brings pain sometimes, you know. You, uh, so that's one of the good things of being our new book. All right, how about you, Dr. David? I've known you a long time. <laughs> I knew you before, back in the Gore days. There you, you go, absolutely. Well, it's, uh, you know, Rick and myself, along with some other pastors in the city, find it interesting that 94 became, became such kind of a, an interesting year mm-hmm. in that that was the year that Julie and I came. To, oh, really? uh, to Austin, actually, to Dripping Springs with a 10-month-old Thompson in tow and uh, pastored there for six years before then making the shift to the association. And uh, on March of this year, we'll begin my 18th year as the uh, director of the Austin Association. And, uh, you know, I'm, I've been so proud of our association over the course of these past 17 years that, yes, 
you know, a, a great deal of my, my time, my day is spent in serving the, um, the churches of the association. But uh, also there's a great freedom to develop partnerships and relationships across denominational lines with the larger body of Christ. And that's where Rick and I became friends. And, uh, you know, uh, later on he, he approached me with becoming a chaplain. I said, absolutely. And uh, it's it's been extraordinary to see how God is really drawing the body of Christ across many, many expressions to uh, to see transformation take place. So if you want to see, if you want to have an opportunity to see a picture of how God really challenges mm-hmm. uh, when he calls, you should see David on a bicycle in his police uniform and short pants. Oh, I love that. that. Would you take me a picture? I'll put that in the good news journal. I'm glad we are on the radio. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Some, some pictures are meant for radio. That's one. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, we uh, Austin is alive. I have to tell you, it was dead when we came here. We spent a whole summer looking for a church. Mm. Uh, we had a teenage son. We didn't want to get him into the UT area because of the drugs. I mean, it was just, it was an experience that changed my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that I, ha- that I have observed in all these years is that God has raised up a marching band of people with a guitar outside the church. That's right. And put it out in the, in the broad ways of life. And I think that's what we've got to do in this nation. We've got, and I'm seeing that with the pastors group, David, that you lead and you are really involved with, Rick, and it just thrills my heart. I just, I, I'm going to cry when I think about it. Well, but Evelyn, you, sometime you should, it's instructive to ask those guys, the, the pastors of key churches in the mm-hmm. city and the folks that are really leading the effort to minister outside the walls of the church into the city, how many of them came in the mid-90s? Because David, David's point is spot on. The, Tim Hawks came mm-hmm. in the mid nineties. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, Rob Koch yes. came in the mid nineties. Yeah. If if you go down the list, you'll be amazed at how many of us got here, boots on the ground, right. at the same time. And now God is kind of validating those um, those plants. We were embedded. We were we were the um, we were the sleeper cell. Yeah, and the, like and, and the and the sleeper cell has is now coming awake, and the city's going to be changed because of it. Well, I know that uh, when I went to that thing that you did, where you sat on the stool and you played music, and we it was a praise service of some kind. It was in an auditorium or somewhere. I was not, you know, familiar with Austin enough to know where it was. I was invited to go, and mm-hmm. it was one of the things that that broadened my vision of marketplace uh, ministry. And that's what we've got to do. We've got to get out of the stained glass windows mm-hmm. and quit hiding out in the pews because pews are dead wood. Amen to that. <laughs> pews that's are true. dead wood. Yeah. It is time to take a break. We are going to come back. We're going to talk about um, some of the things that we must do as believers to support you guys and to pray and to partner with first responders right after this. Stay with us. Thank you, Gavin, and thank you to those wonderful sponsors that make it possible for us to be here. Some of them have been with us 
Uh, we've been on the air 32 years, and we've got one particular young man, Tim Smith. He's been with us 32 years, and he pays for our time. But you know what uh, we have in the studio today is Rick Perry. Rick Perry! <laughs> Where is he? Where is he? He's in, he's in Washington, D.C. I That's know. Right. <laughs> Pastor Rick. I wish I had his hair. Rick. There you go. Oh, yeah. God. And he was round glasses. Uh, now I'm, I'm stuttering. Uh, Rick Randall, Pastor Rick Randall, and our friend, uh, Pastor David uh, Smith. And we are talking about um, being a, a, a representative of the Lord Jesus in the marketplace and getting out there where the people are that need help and encouragement and, above all things, love. But we do have, we are in serious trouble, uh, David and uh, Pastor Rick. Last September the 11th, Governor Greg Abbott. Issued a proclamation calling for the state of Texas to pray for first responders. Mm -hmm. And first responders include police, which is what you guys are, and um, the military and firefighters and the um, disaster relief people that we, you know, send out of Texas a lot. And so we, as a... as a partner with him in praying for the state of Texas, we uh, join that initiative and put out yard signs mm-hmm. all yep. over the state, all over the state. And it says, raising the banner of praise and prayer for our first responders. Yes. And so let's let's talk about that a little bit. Um, you know, the police come first. Um, what is it? that we need to pray for with you and encourage you and help you. Well, uh, let me let me give you um, a kind of a thumbnail sketch. Okay. If you want to be a police officer, it's all, there, what I'm about to say is to a degree also true of firefighters and uh, EMTs, uh, emergency medical technicians. But if you want to be a police officer, we're going to psychologically screen you very carefully to make sure that you mentally are Mm-hmm. equipped to do the job. We're going to put you through a very rigorous physical training. You're, after eight months of the police academy, you're probably going to be in the physical shape of your life. I was in boot camp in the military for 11 weeks. They're in, they're in training for mm-hmm. eight months to become a police officer. And uh, so we're going to psychologically vet you. We're going to physically vet you. And we're going to me- probably make you wait as much as a year and a half to two years to get through the process to even apply. So you have to really be passionate about the job. Now, that's the raw material that we're starting with. Now, if I project that raw material down 23 years later after having a career in law enforcement, 23, 24 years, here's what will be true about them. They'll have the highest incidence of heart disease, diabetes, and hypertension Mm. in the country. They'll have a suicide rate that's second only to military in combat. They will have a divorce rate of 80%, and they'll have a life expectancy that's 15 years less than you or I, the average person. So if you have a, if you have a process where you put in that high quality raw material and you continually come out with those results, what it suggests is there's something in the process that's damaging. A career in law enforcement is rewarding. These folks feel called. If you ask the average cop, why you do what you do, they'll tell you, I want to make a difference. Mm-hmm. They're not in that cynical mode. They're being honest. I want to make a difference. So these are people who feel called and motivated to serve. But what happens is they're dealing with the the worst situations 10 hours a day, four days a week, day after day, 
year after year. You see broken bodies. You see wounded people. You see the catastrophic human condition, and that wears on you. That is a toll that is more dangerous than somebody threatening you with a gun. Mm. And so when you're talking about what what do these guys need for prayer, that's a continuing need for prayer covering yes. because I think that's reflective of a spiritual warfare. I think Absolutely. these guys are the front lines in a, in a warfare between light and darkness, and they get hit with arrows every day. And if we don't pray for them, then we get what we get. The results that I just mm-hmm. described are, are repetitive, and they're true all across the country, anybody in the profession. Um, and so it's great to pray, but we also have to do things like that's why we have a chaplain's program to put Christian clergy out, out of the walls of their church and get them embed them with the police officers and the firefighters and the EMTs so they can develop a relationship where we can speak life Mm-hmm. into those situations. We have an opportunity, like David does, riding that bicycle with those downtown police officers on 6th Street, an opportunity to speak life and to be the presence of Christ and to show them hope in otherwise very dark situations. And it is dark out there. Uh, have, yeah. It is dark. And we need the light of the Lord Jesus. David, uh, when you're on that bicycle in those short bridges, what is, <laughs> <laughs> what is an, a night like for you doing that? Well, again, it's, uh, you know, serving with the police officers every evening, uh, every ride out is, uh, you know, seemingly similar, but uh, completely different, if that makes uh, any any sense at all. So you're going to ride out with these officers for a 10-hour shift. You're with a particular unit, uh, a group of men that are on that shift, and uh, it's it's an opportunity to develop relationships with them. Uh, if I'm assigned to an officer that I don't know before, we're just getting to know one another. And uh, they want to, in many cases, just find out why I'm doing this, what what's in it for me. Uh, you, you always get the eyebrows kind of turned up and the, frinkled, the wrinkled brow when you tell them, this is, this is free. I've got a day job, but I just want to be here of service to you. But, Evelyn, it's that last half of that shift that always is amazing to me. Uh, the officers that I'm working with, and of course in downtown, will interact with you know the whole shift. Uh, some of the, one of the officers will say, Chaplain, can I talk to you a little bit? And they might pull me aside and talk to me about something's going on with their kids or with their wife or what do you think about this? Um, I've got a sick family member. Would you go pray for them at the hospital? Or I'm thinking about getting married. Would you do the service? And so we we have an opportunity to really pastor. These folks, we have an opportunity to pray with them. And uh, you talk about the power of prayer. I've not had one officer ever decline an opportunity for me to pray for them. And um, <clears throat> in developing that relationship of them having my cell phone, as situations arise out of that relationship, they can call me and uh, we can have uh, interaction with one another. I-, I didn't realize this when I went into it, but, you know, as a, as a good pastor, what do I do? I tell my church members, you've got to be here every week, and you've got to be very involved. Mm-hmm. That's almost impossible. Almost yeah. impossible for a police officer because those shifts change. And so, you know, how is... But that, we're good at making them feel guilty. But we make that them feel really guilty, yeah. yeah. And so when you take the church to them, uh, wow, what a powerful difference it makes. And so what Rick has done, which has been absolutely strategic, he said the different sectors of the city, 
uh, we're going to assign a minister to that. If there are specific units that are so large, Rick will say, well, we'll assign an officer here. But Evelyn, the favor that he has received is amazing because now University of Texas has said, we want our police officers, we want our staff to do that. The fire department. On Monday, we're meeting with your pastor, Pastor Steve Washburn, mm-hmm. because Pflugerville saying, hey, what would it look like if we were to have chaplains there? We want a program like Austin has. That's, That's exactly right. Have. Yeah, it's exactly right. And so we're just saying, hey, pastor, if if you're truly going to tell your people they've got to be out of the pew and making a difference, this is an opportunity for you to put feet to your your words. That's what we've been praying for. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm telling you, it is so rewarding. In fact, if, if Julie were here today, she would tell she would tell you if David had found this out earlier, who knows the direction that I'm I might have, you know, moved because it is. Uh, and their their passion and their love, which, you know, breaks my heart and Rick's heart as we see all of these you know, all of these incidents played out on YouTube, and that represents such a small, small yeah. percentage of these officers. And uh, these guys and these gals, they're amazing. Well, I'm I'm sure that they love you. Well, I, <laughs> I, hope, so. I hope so. I don't think I get many complaints. I hope not. But uh, it it is uh, it's a rewarding time, and um, just even from top to bottom. To uh, to see the uh, the staff and to see the officers, it's uh, it's great. Really. You know, when you look at a city and you see how it gets fragmented in different you know areas, um, you look at the really high prosperous part of town. Uh, the highest uh, abortion rate in this city is one of the richest communities that we have in the city of Austin. When you look at it and you look at the areas that um, uh, maybe are in greater need than others, it is our first responders like you, a pastor, and like you, Rick, who make a difference in the world in which we live today. And, and we're, you know, America's uniquely known for that, and Austin is getting there. Uh, you know, it was not that way when we came here 42 years ago. Mm-hmm. Pastors didn't even preach, uh, see each other, and they preached against each other. Wow. Uh, it was just nobody got outside the stained glass windows. Everybody sat in the pew. Mm-hmm. I, when a, a pastor of a major church came to Austin oh, a few years ago, uh, I visited with him and uh, I asked him, I said, what is, it, what is your goal for this church? And he said, my goal is to get them out of the pew. And I never had a pastor tell me that well, before. Good. When, we, when we came to Austin in the mid-'90s, the, the word was that Austin was... Um, a graveyard for yeah. churches that the hostility that was the height of uh, the American Atheist Forum, etc. Yeah. Um, I want to tell you, and we can talk more about this after the break. Yeah. I want to tell you that's changed. And I want to find out how it's changed right after this. Stay with us for Love Talk with David Smith and Rick Randall right after this.
Thank you, Gavin, and thank you again to all those good sponsors that make it possible for us to be here. 32 years is a long, long time to do anything, and I'm doing that today with my friend David Smith and Pastor Rick Warren. Rick Warren, Rick Randall. Wow, I've gone from Rick Perry to Rick Warren. I'm moving up. You're moving up. I'm moving up. I don't know where my mind is today. It's a little bit scattered, but I am so excited that both of you are here that we can talk about some things. I want to find out how... Austin has changed from both of you. How it has changed in the general area, uh, pastor, pastors, and then how it's changed, David, for pastors in this city because okay. there's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Brother Rick? So I'll let, I'll let um, David speak to the whole I, the increased collaboration between okay. pastors and churches that exist because he's certainly part of that. But as far as the city government is concerned, um, when I came to Austin in the mid-90s, I, I think people would have been um, completely shocked that a city government would allow, that a city governmental agency would have a Christian clergyman associated with them, that they allow to openly represent their their faith, their Christianity, mm-hmm. and have access to their employees Full access to from the most senior level employee to the newest employee in that in that bureaucracy to overtly share faith with that person, and that's what we have with the Austin Police Department. Um, you see the uniform I'm wearing. You see crosses on my lapels. Mm-hmm. You see the word chaplain. My radio call sign is God One. Um, so there is a, there is absolutely no barrier to being able to be a Christian in the secular marketplace in Austin, Texas. And believe me, there are days when I sit there and I think, I'm in Austin, the city that used to be famous for atheism and opposition and hostility to the gospel, and I'm being able to be more authentic with my faith in the marketplace here than I have ever been in my life. Now, that to me signifies a seismic shift in culture. I mean, I, David was at the the uh, city council meeting where I uh, prayed, and I, I, I prayed a bold prayer. He did. He uh, did. In, invoking not just God's blessing, but reminding people of God's judgment Absolutely. when we refuse to capitalize on the opportunity that he's given us. And I got no pushback. I got got no opposition. I was invited to be there to offer that prayer. You know, as that has changed for you in in the Austin area, it's changed also for our state. We started out with um, one senator that wanted to start a Bible study, uh, Senator Warren Chisholm. And um, he got some of his buddies together and a couple of staff. And this was... Uh, six or seven years ago, do you know now that at the Capitol we have either three or four Bible studies every day? Well, that's changed, David. Yes, yes, that has changed. All right, talk to me about what it is that you've seen change with churches and pastors in this city. Okay, we, uh, you know, there's just a a desire, and I would even put it into the category of a hunger amongst pastors to develop relationships uh, with other pastors. Uh, you've got a, a group of larger church pastors called Christ Together Greater Austin, 
who have been, you know, very instrumental in uh, what was called a Walls campaign, preaching a common sermon series to explore God, to most recently the art of neighboring, and trying to help believers in Austin realize that the neighbor down the street might not go to the same church, but we're on the same team. We're working toward the advancement of the same kingdom. And I think that's been exciting. But Rick, myself, Trey Kent, uh, Kai Bowman, uh, Will Davis, Abraham Perez, and Jordan Makwanazi uh, really have developed a friendship around prayer. And I know that's been you know somewhat of our theme today, but we're looking to find ways to have prayer events where the body of Christ can come together. And actually how we hooked up with Jordan is, right. is a really good kind yeah. of intersection between these two ideas of first responders and yeah. pastors yeah. because when uh, when the um, uh, assault happened on the Mother Emanuel Church in mm-hmm. Charleston, South Carolina, I reached out to Pastor McQuinazzi, who's the pastor of the Metropolitan AME Church here, and I said, we want to have a prayer meeting in your church seven days to the hour Mm. after that shooting and we want to come together and declare that the devil's not going to win we that that jesus christ is the victor and that place was packed we had police officers there we had community members there we had a wide array of representation of the body of christ there and out of that came a relationship where Absolutely. Pastor Jordan said, "You know, this is this is a lifelong journey for me now. I want to be in on how do we capitalize on this prayer movement for Austin, Texas." So that's a, a really yeah. good example <laughs> how a, a horrible event mm-hmm. uh, became a galvanizing moment for prayer and commitment in the body of Christ in Austin. And I don't think in 1994 that would have happened. I don't. I don't think we no. Gonna, no, the, I agree with there you were know. too many people inside the walls of their church throwing rocks at each other. Absolutely, uh, it still happens that. to a certain yeah. extent. But yeah. I agree with you. One of the things that I observed when there began to be a change, we came, when we came to Austin. It it just took us months and months to find a church because we had a, a 14 year old teenager, and I didn't want to go down to the near the university because I thought that was a disease and it would spread to my boys with the drugs and things, and it was bad. It was bad. But as we began to pray, uh, we just prayed that God would send leaders to Austin that would get out of the get out of the pews and get out of the marketplace. And I can remember so vividly some of those. One of those was Alan Nagel. Yeah. Who mm-hmm. was with Campus Crusade for Christ. Yep. Mm-hmm. And he came in and you know, we were prayer walking down in the university area because of problems and uh, the church was and there was a ladies group in Austin that was doing that and and Barbara Chester was involved, and we just had our own little network, like you all do. And and suddenly we began to see some changes. And it was amazing to me that out of just that one little thing, God sent a man like Alan Nagel. Mm-hmm. He sent Rick Warren. I mean, I'm going to call you Rick Warren all day long, Rick yeah. Randall. You know, and David. <laughs> Write it out. <laughs> I'm looking at his name. But he, I'm sorry. <laughs> Watch it there. Uh, I lost it's my all right. I do have a purpose. So I'm I, good. I'm okay. Good. Yeah. He put up a billboard that said, I found it. I don't know if you remember that, David. Mm-hmm. Yes. I a... found it. And the phone started ringing off. What have you found? And what is it worth? Yes. And so he said, well, we'll come see you if you let us, you know, come visit with you and tell you. Well, we just had 
just team after team going out at every, just in Austin. Yeah. And it was a changing. Oh, time. it is. And, and Helen, what's happened is what what we've begun to plan has now just taken off so very organically. So I get a call yesterday from Trey Kent, and he said, I've met these uh, two fellas. They're, uh, they're members of a church here in Austin, and they have on their own divided up the city into 10 quadrants, and they are trying to encourage church folks to, to pray over their neighborhoods. So you've got layer upon layer of prayer things going on and individuals, and so there's this just overarching kingdom mindset to say, what can, what can we do to impact the lostness here in Austin? Um, you know, Will Davis feels uh, oh. challenged by the Lord to, to, to call churches out to fast. And mm-hmm. uh, during the, that time of Lent, uh, you know, leading up to Easter, we've got three churches that are going to have 24, uh, 24-hour prayer meetings in September. Uh, Jim Symbol is coming to town. Oh, I'm excited. We've got an, an evening prayer event there at Hyde Park Baptist Church. And when we went to Brooklyn Tabernacle and met with him, and Rick can tell you this, he was very interested. He said, so you've got different ethnicities there. You've got different uh, um, denominations there. And we said, yeah. And he said, I'm interested in that. Because he's at his point, at, at the point in his ministry, legacy kinds of things. And yeah. he's looking to partner with Austin at a level of coming and seeing what God's doing here. So it's it's exciting. Before you leave your point of describing what's going on, a key element is none of those groups that's doing the things he's talking about have the attitude that you have to do our thing Uh in order to to be valid, right? right. It's like the more the merrier. The more prayer we get, the better. The more worship services, the more community coming together to worship and pray, the better. And because one thing that we've recognized is there's no one denomination, there's no one Mm -hmm. congregation, there's no one spiritual leader in Austin that can do what Austin needs to have done. We've got to all work together or the ship goes down. That's You know, it is an amazing thing. Of course, I'm, you know, as old as I am, I've looked back a lot now and see how God had moved in my life. Uh, because Ben came home and told me, we are moving to Austin. I said, honey, you may be in Austin, <laughs> but the boys and I are not moving to Austin. My brother had been abducted and killed, and my parents had sold their home in Houston, moved out to the ranch where we lived in Lufkin. I said, we can't, we just can't do that. My dad was not a Christian, and we were sitting out under a gazebo at their farm. We had a ranch. They had a farm. And he said, baby, I want to tell you something. The boys need their dad. And, you know, you need to relook at what your, your, at your attitude, number one. And so, you know, we then said, well, I'll have to get another job. And I said, no, let's wait and see what God does. <laughs> wow. And in the course of that, he planned, he just moved us. And it was in, and we started out, we just in our neighborhood. We were in our neighborhood where they had uh, um, builder homes, uh, custom built homes. And so when my neighbor bought a, a lot and they started a foundation, I'd bake them a loaf of bread and we'd go over and I'd find out because I wanted to know who lived in my neighborhood. So I totally had to change when I came to Austin. Mm-hmm. And Austin has now changed to the point that it just blows my mind, pastors. I cannot tell you <laughs> when you think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the fact that even at the Capitol, and we need to talk a little bit about the Capitol today, we are in a position in this 
nation to bring about a great movement of God. Amen. Much like, you know, some of the patriots before us have done. And we're going to do it. God's going to do it. Amen. Amen. We're going to talk about that right after this with our good friend, Chaplain Rick Randall <laughs> and David Smith. Thank you, Gavin, and thank you for joining us today for Love Talk. It's been an exciting program as we've been able to talk with our good friend David Smith and our precious friend uh, Rick Randall. I have called him Rick Warren, all program Rick. It is just so exciting to get across the table from you and look at your heart and see really the heart that you have for this city of Austin. I love this city, and uh, and it's been a blessing to be here today, Evelyn, with you. Well, you know, in Texas, there are 23,000 churches, David. Mm-hmm. 23,000. 23,000. Mm-hmm. When you think about that, um, what is it that we need to be doing? And what is it we've, we have done that has blessed this state so much? Um, let's just talk a little bit about that. Um, when you think of a church, you think sometimes of a pastor that just wants a congregation. How effective is that, Rick? Well, I'll tell you that you won't be able to sit here. Uh, well, of course, hopefully we'll all be in the presence of Jesus. But 40 years from now, you won't be sitting here talking about 23,000 churches in Texas because there won't be. Um, the days of there are so many congregations that are focused on self-preservation maintaining their program they basically their view is we set the table if you want to eat you have to come in Mm -hmm. and and eat here and those are going to go away because for two reasons number one is because they they're violating the mission call that we have from jesus christ and secondly because the upcoming generation doesn't have the same loyalty to bricks and mortar that our generations did and so if the church wants to remain relevant, she has to do what Jesus called us to do in Matthew 28. She has to be salt and light. She has to go and make disciples. We don't have a choice. It, it's more challenging because as a pastor, I can stand in a pulpit. I can prepare a sermon. I can polish it well. I can be a wonderful orator, and that's my focus. Or I can be outside the marketplace where I have to be authentic, where I'm not leading by my sermons, but I'm leading by the character of my life and modeling that for my church members. That's a much more challenging ministry. But I can tell you that 40 years from now, I don't believe we'll have that many churches in Texas because I think the church nationwide, worldwide, is undergoing a revolution where if we aren't faithful to that call to go and make disciples, we are not going to. We're not going to exist. What about you, David? How can you weigh in on this? Well, the thing, you know, how do we how do we minister to the churches? How do we provide for them? Uh, one thing that Trey, Rick, and I have done is, and we need to do better at this. So I, I want to add that, you know, that little uh, that little summary thought there. 
um, we'll call a pastor, uh, many times somebody that we don't know, and we'll just ask him, can we come and pray for you? We'll ask him for a 15-minute time period. The three of us will get there. We're not selling him anything, unceasing prayer or otherwise. Uh, the three of us will pray for him. And at the end of that prayer time, uh, many times uh, the pastor will say, this is how you can pray for me. We've not ever been turned down. Uh, we've even you know, called folks of groups that we'd said, hey, there's no way that there's going to be a connection there. We need to be praying for these pastors. If, if God has called them, so many of them just need the encouragement of knowing somebody else is praying for them. And it's powerful when you know that somebody of another stream or another denomination is, is praying for you. And, uh, you know, Rick, Rick started this. He and Dan Davis came to my office. Mm-hmm. And, of course, if you hang around with Rick, he had a shirt, and it says, Got Prayer on it. No, knee Prayer. Knee Prayer. Knee Prayer. prayer. That's it, yeah. And, uh, and they came by and, and prayed over me. And Trey was kind of a part of it. And one day, I, I guess Trey or somebody wasn't able to go, and they called and said, We well, wanted to do this. And it is one of the most rewarding things. So imagine if we're praying for other churches and other pastors in, you know, our particular region or a particular area. And it really does come down to prayer, Evelyn. Mm-hmm. We can all agree on that. You know, we might we might differ differ on baptism, we might differ on Lord's yes. Supper, these Absolutely. kinds of things. But uh, praying together is powerful. It's, it's illustrative of two points, the power of prayer and the loneliness of the pastor. Oh, ooh. Boy, that's, oh, yes. yeah, because when we yeah. offer to pray, it's these guys saying to us, guys and gals, yeah. saying to us, um, basically sharing prayer requests that we know they're not sharing with anybody Absolutely. else. Absolutely. You know, that is hard for pastors. I've worked uh, when my husband was in the military, uh, two different pastors, pastor's secretary. And, and it just would break my heart, you know, just see the burdens that you carry. And, mm-hmm. and I want to thank you for that. You know, we, we know that there are 23,000 churches in Texas because of Dave Welch and the group that he has. Mm-hmm. But it takes the local pastor in a, any given community to be the representative of who the Lord Jesus Christ is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For, it, for, for a church to hold together for the mission of what needs to be done through through our churches. Mm-hmm. I'm a church person. I believe you work through church. But I tell you, fruit does not grow on dead wood. There you go. got to get out of the pew and get in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. And I know that's what you pastors do, and it just thrills my heart. You know, when we look at where we are, um, you know, we look at the TV, and it's a different story totally. The media has just conflicted everything. We have great burdens uh, for where we are in this nation in regard to prayer. And that's part of what our new book is, Praising and Praying Across Texas. Because prayer is the key to heaven, to the throne room. Praise is the key. I'm sorry, prayer is the door. Mm -hmm. And praise is the key. Because Jesus said, hallowed be thy name. The prayer model that he gave us started with, hallowed be thy name. Now, the Halloween folks, you know, captured hallowed, <laughs> and they misuse it. But that's where our heart has to be, praising God for what he's doing. And so I want to tell you, I really am going to praise him today for what you guys are doing. I know that you, um, uh, every day is a different day for you. And I just want you to know that we appreciate you. And 
Pastor Rick, I know that you're involved in so much in, with the police and the, the legislation and everything's going on. I want to ask our folks specifically to pray for you with the Sanctuary City thing that we have going and, and with the legislature being in town. Uh, there are just so many things that are changing very, very quickly, not only in Austin but across the state of Texas. But, you know, our purpose in being here is to bring honor and glory to the Lord Jesus. Amen. That's right. Amen. So what does it mean to you, Pastor Rick, out there in the trenches when you're seeing the evil that has come so strongly against this city and the power of the Lord Jesus? How are you able to communicate that in a way that people can understand and receive? You know, Evelyn, in, in the darkest place, the tiniest light is brilliant. When I see the evil increasing, I seize the opportunity to show the light of Jesus in that situation. And I thank God every day for the opportunity to do that. I'm in a very bad, I, I, I oftentimes am injected into very bad situations, but you just have to have a little bit of Jesus shining through you Absolutely. and you show the difference. So that's, uh, I, I don't think it's any different for me than it is for the, the, the believer that's working at Dell or whatever. I, I think that's what we're called to do wherever we are. Well, as a first responder, I want I want to thank you. Uh, we mentioned earlier that when the when the power of God's Holy Spirit fell on the believers, uh, their lives were in grave danger because of the government. But they looked up and they saw the light that you're talking about, and they said, "What is it that we do now? What is it?" And Jesus had already given the Great Commission, and it's very simple: get up. Get out and go oh, tell. Amen. Three-point outline. <laughs> That'll preach. That'll it preach. will. Get That's up. It. Get off your pew. How does, get out of the dead wood. Pastors have got to do that. And, and I know between the two of you, you all have done such a tremendous job of bringing pastors together in this city to really see the glory of, of the Lord Jesus and, and walk with him. You know how, Dave, and I know we're doing the right thing? Because the most common question we get is, why are you doing that? Really? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Well, you know, people ask me that. I'm like, why don't you and Van retire? And I said, I don't know. When uh, I was 65 years old, Gene asked me, "Are you, Gene Bender, the owner of this station, said, Ellen, are you going to retire? I said, no, I'm going to refire, and you better get out of my way. <laughs> there, you there you go. And so he doesn't ask me that question anymore. Uh, David, as we close today, I know you have a heart for loving the Lord Jesus and the people of this city. What would you say to that first timer out there, that first responder, or even the first uh, anything, you know, first pastor that's, you know, pastoring? What would you say to them about loving people and getting out there where the where the water uh, hits the road? Well. If, if they will try, if they will pray that God will give them opportunity and expect that God will open those doors, they will be refreshed. They will be encouraged. Uh, I tell people this. There's nothing like the joy and excitement of leading someone to faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, so so often people get sidetracked. Well, I don't know what to say. What if I said the, mm-hmm. the wrong thing? Listen, you're not going to make that person any more lost than they currently are. But uh, that's where the joy and the excitement is. As I'm counseling with pastors in our association, when the excitement is gone, it's because they they have not uh, pursued, as Rick was talking to us, that great commission to go and tell. 
And when they go and tell, and figure out how that is, where you're at within your context. If you're working at a gas station, if you're working uh, in in whatever spot. But Evan, I'd like to ask you this, and uh, and Rick will pray for you. We love to finish our time with folks saying, how can we pray for you? And that's what we want to do. How can we pray for you? And then Rick's going to pray for you. Okay, well, let, let me say this in our closing. And if you um, need, we need contact information for both of you, David. Okay. If, if you give us that. And Rick, if you would give us your number. Because there are people going to call you. They'll call me. Okay. But they want to call you. Okay. So why don't you do that right now? Give them your phone number. Okay. If uh, if you want to call me, I'm at the Austin Baptist Association. My phone number is 512-507-8649. And I uh, look forward to uh, to hearing from you as to how we can partner with you uh, to see God work in the city. And they want to talk to me, I'm, uh, my office at APD is 512-974-5411. And uh, I'll get right back to them and be happy to share with them either prayer targets for first responders or, um, you know, to pray for them. Okay. Well, thank you all for joining us, and thank you for joining us today with Love Talk. We're going to close in prayer today. If you need to get in touch with us, you can go call the Love Line, uh, 512-249-6535, or go to lovetalknetwork.com and uh, send us an email. So thank you for joining us, and we're going to talk to the Lord Jesus. Father, we're so thankful for the time that we've had today. Yes. Uh, we thank you for Evelyn. We honor her mm-hmm. and the place that you've given her to lead in prayer in this in this city, in this state, and even in this nation. God, would you multiply her influence? Amen. And would you, Lord, in as you see fit, would you judge that all of these activities have raised the awareness of your glory to such a level that you are ready to release your power for revival and transformation on our state and on our nation. We ask this, Lord, in the mighty name of the one and only Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Amen.